Welcome to another spectacular word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. I am excited about the word tonight because the word tonight... You, you, would, you would not guess probably what my title is tonight out of the 15th chapter of Mark as we're continuing in the book of Mark. So let me just go ahead and tell you, the title of our message tonight is Many Women, not small women, okay, a bunch of women, many women, okay, many women. And uh, let me set it up as you're finding Mark, the 15th chapter. Let me set us up. You know, the ninth hour of the day, when we read that in the Bible, the ninth hour of the day corresponds to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 3 p.m. And uh, it is the set time that the priests of Israel were instructed to enter into the holy place and there to burn incense before the Lord on the altar of incense every day, and to pray and intercede for the children of Israel and the nation of Israel. And as the incense was burning and the priest was standing there, you know, you may remember Zacharias, you know, uh, uh, John the Baptist, uh, you know, dad. That's what he was doing, praying there, you know, and, and all the crowd was outside, you know, because you gathered at the hour of prayer. Uh, and, and, and so there he was praying, and, and, and the prayers, uh, you know, arise on the smoke and the incense and, and, and the prayer and the praises of the priest, and they fill the nostrils of God, and God said that the, our prayer and our praise are a sweet-smelling savor unto him. Well, that was what was going on in, at, at, at the ninth hour, at, the, at, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, whenever we get to the 15th chapter uh, of, of, of Mark. And, and there, was, there was a curtain. Just, just, it, 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 it was very thick. And it was woven. Uh, and it's the only thing that stood between that altar of incense where the priest was praying and the place where God chose to rest his Ark of the Covenant. You know, the Holy of Holies. I mean, you know, I mean, they were just right outside of the, of, of the most holy place on earth. It symbolized heaven, you know. Uh, and, and here standing by this curtain at 3 p.m., not just any day, okay, uh, but this was a very special day, okay, it was, it, it, it was a, um, uh, you know, people attended because of this special thing that was going on. I mean, it's more special than, than the changing of the guard or seeing Queen Elizabeth in, in London. You know, if you ever go to London, people say, oh, you've got to see the changing of the guard. And you've got to see Queen Elizabeth riding down there, you know, and that horse and carriage and the guards all, you know. I mean, it's something to see. Well, you know, this was much better than that, okay? Much, much, much better than that. Uh, and, and so uh, here uh, you may remember in Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. I know you're in Mark 15. But Acts 3 verse 1, the Bible tells us that, that Peter and John went up to the temple uh, at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Okay, this, this, this kind of you know, tells us and connects us to exactly what's going on. I love the Word of God. But 
if you're going to read the Word of God and have a proper interpretation of the Word of God, then you'll have to interpret it according to Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture. No one Scripture stands alone and tells the whole story. So we need the whole counsel of God. And when we go throughout the Word of God, finding the Word of God, we can find where it fits and it explains itself to us. And that's what, uh, that, that's what Peter and John were. They were going to this special prayer meeting. This special prayer meeting, you know, uh, at, 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 at the temple where so many people would be gathered and, 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 and you know, joining in on the prayer at the hour of prayer. Peter and John were headed there whenever, you know, this lame man, uh, you know, was, was sitting. And, and, and he reached out and said, you know, alms. And, 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 you know, Peter said, silver and gold have I none. You know, Acts 3. And he lifted him up, you know. This is, you know, it's that same event. But the accounts that took place in Mark chapter 15 did not happen on just any normal day of prayer. This was a very special day of prayer. This was the day before Passover. Just, just three hours because Passover began this high holy day began at sundown, you know, at about six in the evening at that time of year in the spring, okay, this time of year, right now. In fact, Passover is going on right now in Israel, okay. It, it, it started with the full moon on, on Saturday evening, okay. So, uh, this special high holy day was a day in which the priest entered in to this holy place just outside the Holy of Holies and he burned incense to God as, as, as he prayed prayers for Israel in this special Passover prayer because in just a few hours, three hours, the, the, the most memorable event in the lives of the Jewish nation was going to take place. A remembrance, a dress rehearsal for the coming of Messiah, a dress rehearsal for the, for, for, for the, 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 the lamb who took away the sins of the world to be, but they, you know, each year at Passover, dress, and so they were approaching this moment, and there a priest was standing, burning incense, praying to God that, you know, that this Passover, that the angel of death would pass over them, and remembering before God how God led the children of Israel out of Egypt and, and protected them by the blood of a lamb. Wow, how memorable, huh? There were two groups at three o'clock on that day in Jerusalem. Two main groups. Now, there were people there from all over the known world because that was the number one feast, the Feast of Passover, that everyone who could, who was a Jew, came from everywhere. The Bible says that there were people there from literally all over the known world. You know, you can read about it in Acts chapter 2. And here, these two groups were divided. One group of people were there at the temple observing this 
ritual of prayer, this very special prayer, this very special moment. We're standing there, you know, uh, you know, lifting up their prayer and their praise unto God while the priest is in the Holy of Holies and they're in the outer court and they're, and, 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 and they're flooding the courts of the Gentiles and they're, and, and they're out in the court of the women and they're everywhere there praying, you know. And there was a second large group of people who were over about a quarter of a mile at a place called Golgotha. They were watching a crucifixion. And one of those who was being crucified was a man named Jesus on a wooden cross nailed and suspended between heaven and earth because he and others claimed that he was the Son of God, who was the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world. And for that, he was being crucified. Two groups that day. You may remember, we talked about it Sunday, how that Jesus was nailed to that cross at 9 o'clock that morning, after having been scourged and, and cruelly treated and slapped and spat upon. And, uh, you know, uh, then about noon, the skies turned dark. And it was dark over all the land of Israel. And it was dark for the space of three hours, the Bible says. From noon until three. From the sixth hour unto the ninth hour. And we read in Mark 15, verse 34. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Verse 37 says, And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and he breathed his last breath. We're told by other writers of the Gospels that what he cried out was, It is finished. And with that, he died. Verse 38, and the veil of the temple. You remember that curtain that was standing between the Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant had rested and that altar of incense? I mean, it's just, it's just, one's, you know, it's just right beside that altar of incense. There was a priest standing there. We know because it's the hour of prayer. And there were people gathered, you know, waiting outside. Can, can, can you imagine? Verse 38 says, And the veil of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. Wow. From the top to bottom. <laughs> Don't you know that freaked that priest out? First of all, boom, he's seeing the Holy of Holies. <laughs> like, am I going to melt? You know, I mean, what, ah, uh, you know, I mean, can you imagine? Maybe he ran out, maybe he screamed, I don't know what, but, but all of a sudden, heaven opened up. All of a sudden, 
at this moment of prayer, when people are outside praising and worshiping and just down the way, there's a man dying for sins and there they are praying that, that God uh, you know, would, 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 would allow them to experience the blood of the Lamb so that the angel of death would pass from them, you know, pass over them, and they would be, you know, be, you know, granted life. And there was the evidence. My. No longer a veil between heaven and earth. So, verse 39, so when the centurion, who was not at the temple, by the way, you know, there are a lot of things the Bible does not tell us. It doesn't tell us what, you know, uh, what the people at the temple felt. But Mark does tell us what the centurion who stood opposite Jesus felt. When he saw that Jesus cried out like this and breathed his last breath, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. What a picture, huh? What a picture. Jesus died in public. And even those who were not there saw the evidence because heaven opened up and no longer was there you know, a veil between God and man. We pick up in the next verse. There were also women looking on from afar. Now, let me stop here and tell you something funny. That, uh, there, 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 there's a story about an old preacher that did not read and write, and he had someone else you know, read his text for him, and he would preach from it. And you can imagine what he said whenever they read that text. You know, uh, uh, he said, you know, they were by far. I guess it was cold. <laughs> there were also women looking on from afar. Okay, never mind. It was funnier to me whenever I heard it. It was looking on from afar. Among whom were Mary Magdalene. Of course, we know her. She was the woman out of whom Jesus cast seven devils. And then there was Mary, the mother of James, the less, and Joseph. How would you like to be named James the less? You know, it means James the little. He was, you know, James the insignificant. <laughs> Uh, they had to delineate between him and, and James, the brother of John. And then the Bible tells us that there was a woman named Salome. And Salome uh, uh, was the wife of Zebedee, the mother of James and John, the apostles. Verse 41, who also followed him and ministered to Jesus when he was in Galilee and many other women who came up with Jesus to Jerusalem. Now, I love when the Bible tells me something, but I also love when it leaves things out. Very evident things. Do you know there's no mention of the disciples being at or near the cross except for the brief encounter that John had with Jesus when he was first placed on the cross and Jesus said to John, you know, would you take the care of my mother? Mother, this is now, uh, your, you know, your, 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 your son. And then as it is understood, you know, uh, 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 you know, all the disciples forsook him. In fact, that was a word of prophecy. Perhaps they were afraid, you know, or they could not stand, they could not bear to look 
on that cross and see their leader, the one whom they had hoped in, the one they had believed in, the one that they had you know, uh, uh, left everything to follow. They could not stand the thought of, of, of him being arrested and tortured and condemned to die on the cross uh, while they ran for their lives and hid in fear. None, not one of the disciples stood by Jesus until the end. It must have shamed the disciples. Can you imagine how ashamed they were of themselves? Think with me. Think, you know, apply a little logic, reason, and understanding here. Can you imagine how ashamed these men must have been to realize that these women who had followed along after them for three and a half years ministering to them these women who were obliged to stand behind the scenes these women who had who who had never been put at the forefront these women who uh, you know uh, who had to watch while men took the lead took the leading roles assisting with the miracles in Galilee while these women ministered the Bible says, unto the Lord of their substance. These women, the Bible here, these women, and in other places, the Bible calls these women deacons. Did you know that? Isn't that interesting? How many of you that would run a little bit afoul of the doctrine that you may have, you know, been exposed to at some other part of uh, of your religious experience, these women were, were, were called deacons. In fact, that's what the word means. Uh, these women ministered. The word minister literally it, it is the word diaconeal. That's what it is. It means to uh, people who are, are, are called and people who wait on tables, people who supply necessities, people who serve people who take care of menial, mundane, day-in and day-out, everyday tasks, okay? People who uh, administer the ministry and people who attend and wait on others. Now, the ministry of these women and the fact that these women Many other women, on top of those named, and then, you know, uh, uh, you know, Matthew, Mark, and Luke named these. But on top of those named, there are also, as it said, many other women who had followed Jesus during his ministry in the Galilee and had ministered, uh, provided necessities, serving, attending, taking care of the mundane details of the ministry while these 12 men and 70 others stood out front and were anointed to go and you know, uh, uh, preach the gospel and you know, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead and cast out devils and, and yet paid for attended to, provided for by these ladies who now are putting these men to shame. The men who had the leading roles for that three and a half years, and I'm not getting down on men, but I want you to see it as the Bible tells it. 
because this account is put in here for some reason and I would be willing to to imagine that you've never heard a sermon preached from these two verses I certainly never have when I was seeking the Lord as to what to share I passed over these and I felt that little nudge of the Holy Spirit that these are there for a reason and nobody ever talks about them. Well, okay, let me talk about them, okay? These ladies were putting those men to shame. The men were locked behind doors, afraid to stick their noses out. And here these women are at the cross, clearly identified as Galilean, clearly identified as supporters as those encouragers, as those broken-hearted over the crucifixion of this, the man in whom they had trusted, the man in whom they believed. They are putting the disciples to shame. They are outshining these disciples in faith, in courage, and in witness. You know, uh, listen, those, uh, those among us, those who, 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 who are... Listen, this is a reality. Uh, those who do not stand in awe when we consider the most lovely and helpful creature that God ever made, a woman. Those who do not stand in awe of a woman may not know God because I believe God does. The first, indeed, he said, will be last, and the last first. And, and that which is esteemed least by men is esteemed greater by the Lord. And, and you know, the, the pure hearts of these loyal maids and maidens here at the cross, you know, uh, they gave their resources. They gave their money. That's what it means whenever the Bible says that they ministered to the Lord of their substance. Do you know they followed Jesus around paying his bills? Think about it. Have you ever wondered who paid the bills of Jesus? Well, the Bible tells us. Three primary wealthy women, but also many others who served. They, 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 uh, they, you know, gave their strength and their very lives to ensure that Jesus and his disciples were fed, were clothed, were cared for throughout that three and a half years of ministry throughout the Galilee. They walked hundreds and hundreds of miles with him. They walked about a hundred miles getting there to the cross. And they would have to walk a hundred miles home. The writers of the Gospels do not choose to share their brokenheartedness. But there they were at the cross, the Bible says, watching and looking. Perhaps Jesus might yet need something. Perhaps they could be of some service still. Perhaps they yet were willing and ready for whatever need might arise. But no doubt they were broken at such injustice that Jesus suffered at the hands of the wicked and evil and ungodly men. Do you know these women stood at the cross 
they didn't enter into the packed crowd trying to get lost in the crowd, but they stood at a distance so that they could see the scene and take the overview and, 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 and you know, know what was going on. Uh, uh, such is the heart of a virtuous woman who, who finds something that is worth her life and gives her life for it. Where would the families be? Where would the world be? Where would the body of Christ be were it not for the loyal, self-sacrificing, serving, willing to serve ministries of women? It was a woman who bore Jesus in a lonely, stable cave because there was no room for her in the inn. It was a woman who gave thanks at the dedication of Jesus and told all who would hear about the redemption that he would bring from the hand of his Father God. It was a few women who followed Christ and ministered to him of their substance. They paid his bills. They provided the needs of the group and, and uh, you know, throughout his ministry. It was a woman that Jesus met at the well, Jacob's well in Samaria, who believed and ran home and, and told everyone and brought the whole city out to hear and to believe this one who had told her everything that she had done, and they received Christ. It was a woman who drew healing virtue from touching the hem of Jesus' garment. And he said, it was your faith. It was a woman who received forgiveness and, 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 and who received a pardon and encouragement from the Lord when others brought and cast her before him as, as, as she was caught in adultery. They expected him to punish her, but he forgave her. It was a woman who took the precious oil, the perfume, the costly perfume, and, and, and anointed the body of Christ for burial beforehand whenever his disciples harshly rebuked her. And she stood in the face of that adversity and did her job. It was a woman who went to her husband, Pontius Pilate, and said to him, I have had a dream, leave this man alone. It was a woman that the word of the Lord came to this leader of, 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 of the Jews, uh, this, this Roman magistrate, telling him, this is a holy man. It was a woman who would return to the tomb hoping to take care of the dead body of Christ. A little parenthetical truth here. Do you know that the body of Christ, the church of the living God, would have died and been forgotten had it not been in our history, in every nation, in race, in culture, and creed, who took care of the dead. Often it looked like the lifeless body of Christ anointed it and made it to... to, to uh, yet it was a woman that Jesus first appeared to. It was a woman that Jesus called as the first evangelist. I find it a point of interest that at no time in the Gospels, listen to me, at no time in the Gospels did any woman ever oppose Jesus or take any action against him. Isn't that interesting? No woman ever accused him or treated him with malice or disdain. No woman ever did Jesus any harm in body or in reputation. Every recorded enemy of Jesus 
were always and only men. How interesting. Women are survivors. They're peacemakers. They're kind. They're gentle. They're motherly. They're good. They're true. They're loyal. They're selfless servants. They join themselves and give their hearts to serve those whom God chooses. They just do. From the beginning, when God took a rib from Adam and, 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 and fashioned Eve, the grace of God has been given to women for family. And they are often tempered to sacrifice their personal needs and desires in order to serve the greater good of others that they love. If you find a woman that is not so, you may have found a devil. Boy, I wish I could say that again. I should have put it in red. If you find a woman not so, then you've got a hold of a woman that you may have reason to be concerned about. The Bible is filled with horrible stories about selfish, lust-driven women lusting for power, position, they're jealous, they're in anger, their rage, their love of money. Uh, those who lord over others with cutting remarks and demanding, uh, uh, ill-tempered demands, hateful. But not one of those is mentioned as a follower of Christ. Because when people give their life to Christ, he changes them. He begins a work in their life. When they commit their lives to Christ, you know, even one who, you know, even the one who was possessed with seven devils became a servant of the Lord, gave her life. I cannot fully imagine what honor and what respect and what eternal blessings will come to these women or any women who feel and finds herself content with what the Lord has chosen for her to do. People change when they meet Jesus. Have you met Jesus? Have you met Jesus? Just a little more about that kind of woman before I close. Okay, The kind of woman that follows Jesus. Let me just read this to you. Uh, it, it, it may be familiar. Certainly you can find it. Okay. Proverbs 31, verse 10. Who can find a virtuous woman? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the 
the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed in scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. So shall or she shall rejoice in the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the ways of her household. She does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. Wow. A woman who fears the Lord. That's what we saw standing at the cross. Women more in love with Jesus than they were with themselves. I would recommend in closing to all women that you turn your lives over to Jesus Christ. Turn your lives over to the design of God's will for your life and that you aspire to live the life of a virtuous woman. And as well, I would recommend to all men that you work on yourselves and stop trying to perfect the women in your lives. Appreciate the gift that they are. Continue to pray that they will put up with us, men, that they will be forgiving and loving and that they will keep helping us as God designed. Amen. Many women have done excellent. But those who follow Christ excel them all. Hey, thanks again for joining us for another powerful message from Pastor Ron Hemmons. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.